This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hey everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. And this is my mom, Carmen. As we always say, our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. As you can just tell right there, guys, my dad exposed me last week, and I sometimes have trouble holding it together right there. (laughs) So pardon my little laugh right there in the middle, Um, but we're just going to keep rolling. Uh, Because this is real life. So, (laughs) and my dad was purposely trying to make me laugh on that one. We just want to have fun, make it enjoyable while we do this together. (laughs) But dad, again, we're continuing on with Hell's Best Kept Secret. Yesterday, we talked about the court case and how mercy triumphs over judgment. So continue on with that. Yeah, we're going to go back again to James chapter 2. Because I think that this uh, scripture that James wrote under the inspiration of the uh, Spirit uh, really captures the essence of Mm -hmm. how Jesus uh, separated um, our fate uh, with Satan's. How he, as my wife said (laughs) yesterday in yesterday's episode, she used this power word, extricate, how that... Satan's power over us was broken and our fate became segregated and separated from Satan's fate. And he said this, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. So where we left off yesterday, we just said that a judge cannot just show mercy mm-hmm. um, who is disconnected from the crime or the experience of the transgression. We would call that person an unjust judge. But how a a decision, a decree, a, a, a ruling, and a declaration of either uh, forgiveness and clemency or someone being uh, held uh, accountable for their crime is based upon the victim or the victim's family. So we would say that's an unjust judge that gives clemency and forgiveness to a criminal that is really hurt and brutalized or victimized a victim. But yet if the victim uh, comes down to the sentencing part of the case, if they stand up and say, Your Honor, even though this was a a true crime that was committed against me. Mm-hmm. This was hurtful. It was painful. It was brutal. It was harsh. Their motivation was to harm me. But I want you to see that there is something superior in mm-hmm. the law of God that is greater than justice, mm-hmm. than someone being punished and held accountable for their crime. I ask for you to give them mercy. And so uh, Carmen, in our little fictitious case, and it was a fictitious case, (laughs) 
yesterday, I said that only Carmen, if she was the, the victim, only Carmen could be the one who voices forgiveness mm-hmm. and appeals and pleas for mercy on behalf of the one who's committed the transgression mm-hmm. and the crime. It's only that person that has the legal and the spiritual right to be able uh, to do that. And so in the court of heaven, and we need to understand that on the cross, that was a courtroom. Yeah. And that heaven and earth were joined together, interfaced together, in what was happening there. And that Jesus was both the judge and the victim at the same time. Now, I wanna make a point to you, Uh, you know, as as democracy and and freedom has, uh, you know, its history has unfolded uh, in Western Europe and in the United States, Uh, those that founded democratic republics, they realized that power should not be concentrated uh, in one role Mm -hmm. or given to one person. So like in our country, in a constitutional democratic republic, we divided the powers of what used to be the total power of a king. Mm -hmm. The, The king had the power to be, to execute judgment. He was a judge. He could legislate laws Mm -hmm. and that he could weigh courses. He could be uh, uh, both an executive, a judge, and a legislator at Mm -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. He had total authority. Now, we've divided that into three branches, executive, legislative, and judicial. But in biblical times, the king represented all three. Mm -hmm. So... Jesus's kingdom is not a democratic republic. And the reason why our founders said that that power cannot be consolidated, it needs to be diversified, is because they knew that no human being could have that type of absolute power because they made a statement, uh, uh, and it was a phrase that was well known in the founding of, Mm -hmm. of democratic movements, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, Jesus is incorruptible. Jesus can have absolute power, and he is king and judge and legislator. Mm -hmm. So Jesus on the cross has transformed the cross into a courtroom. He has transformed the cross into a throne room. He has transformed this place of death and suffering into a place where judgment is being even executed and new laws are being written and that the 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 law of liberty freedom is going to be uh uh released for those that have been uh, had injustice done against them those that have had oppression uh and and subjugation and so I want us to look at the cross, not just in a, in a way where we just see again, it's a natural event. I want us to peer behind the curtain. I want mm-hmm. us to look behind the veil and we will see that angels and demons uh, 
and the Father, all of them were observing Jesus executing judgment, but also as a victim testifying in court Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and bringing evidence. You know, it's amazing how John gets into this in his first letter in 1 John. He said, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. But then he said, there's also three witnesses that have been offered as evidence in the court of heaven uh, that are, are tangible things that happened in the earth. And he said, they are the blood, they are the water, and they are the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was offering his blood as evidence mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in the court of heaven, in this arena, divine arena, arena where heaven and earth were coming together to settle the fate of not only the planet, but all of the humanity, yeah. to forever deal with every sin that had ever been committed, to deal with this old arrangement of authority. Now, there is a an author by the name of F.J. Hugel, and he was a missionary for, for many, many years, spent his really his entire lifetime as a missionary in Mexico. But he wrote a classic that if you have not read this book, I encourage you uh, to read it. There are a number of books that uh, in my spiritual journey that I, I probably read them either once a year, uh, you know, every two years yeah. that I just renew myself with that truth. But he wrote a book that was called The, the Cross of Christ, The Throne of God. And so when somebody... Uh, recommended this book and I I got it. And I'm going to tell you how they made the recommendation and why I felt it was important for me to read it. But first, uh, when they told me the title of it, I thought that is really a unique title, The the Cross of Christ, The Throne of God. Because at that point in my spiritual maturity, I couldn't make the connection of how the cross was the throne at that Mm -hmm. moment. It was the place of where the judge was going to uh, render his verdict of guilt and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I I could not understand how that, um, that it was a courtroom, that a victim who had been transgressed against was going to, when it came time for sentencing, was going to enter a plea and speak on behalf of those who had transgressed against him. Then when I read it, it was like a spiritual revolutionary moment in how I realized that heaven and earth, we think that they're, we think of them in geographical terms, that they're millions, billions, trillions of miles away, instead of looking at them in a different dimension. And, and so, uh, All of heaven was there that day. All of earth Mm -hmm. represented as Jesus was this new representation of humanity, this this second Adam, but also the last Adam. You have to understand he was Mm -hmm. in a dual role that day. Uh, He was the one who was a man who had lived in complete, perfect obedience to the will of the Father so that when Satan said, even though he has not sinned in the same way that Adam or any of his children have sinned, 
let's go ahead and kill him because I've been successful to kill every man. And I'm going to enlist, and this was his fatal error, I'm going to enlist men to carry out this plot to kill him. If he would have tried to do it through some type of intervening spiritual way to kill Jesus, Jesus could not have released us through mercy and forgiveness. But because Satan, who had who had conjoined our fate with his, enlisted us as his allies to carry out the plot to kill Jesus. Mm-hmm. But this is the this is the deeper magic, according to C.S. Lewis. That that judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over ju- judgment. Again, we wanna we wanna thread the needle today and specifically talk about how. Jesus separated our faith. Well, he not only separated our faith faith by showing us mercy, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but he also finalized and sealed Satan's faith because Satan, as a spiritual rebel and a criminal, he had shown no mercy. Yeah. He knew God's justice but in all of his conspiracies and in all of his 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 willingness to pull all of creation into the same fate with him, he had shown no mercy and compassion to no one. It was all about his own selfish ambition and pride, the original sin. Yeah. So he had shown no one any mercy and compassion. He had destroyed all those that opposed him, those that he could destroy. He had opposed, he had plotted, he had planned. He had, it was a scourged earth, earth policy on anybody. It was about total subjugation because it was all about the self-centered arrogance of this ancient being to yeah. try to displace God or compete with God. Mm-hmm. But yet, when it came to Jesus, both as judge but also victim, he was able to rightly say, the sentence of judgment over you, Satan, remains the same. Because you have not at all, in your judgment that you've made upon others, shown any mercy, any compassion. You've shown no justice to anyone. Mm-hmm. You, you, have, you have been a, a thief that has killed and stolen and destroyed uh, the creation and the inhabitants of this planet. Yeah. But as a part of the creation who now has those that are in my image, that you have enlisted as allies to, to um, plot my death, I now can stand up judiciously, legally, spiritually, in holy justice and judgment. And I can say to the ones that I want to show mercy to, Mm -hmm. I will show mercy to. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus was on the cross, his statements were not just random statements by a man that was in pain and, and was talking uh, you know, out of his head, 
just as a, a means of just, you know, cries that had no intent or purpose. Everyone, it's a phenomenal study, and mm-hmm. I love to preach on it. Every one of the statements of Jesus on the cross have a legal and a judicial mm-hmm. purpose, or they are the suffering that he is taking upon yeah. himself for our sins. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he's speaking out as the judge, mm. sometimes. He's speaking out as the one who is suffering for the sins of the whole world. And you see the extent and the scope of what he bore on the cross for us. So they point to two things. Our freedom Mm -hmm. of how he's able to release us and forgive us as a righteous judge. But because the judge and the victim are the same, you see that the statements are very intentional. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. It is not to the Roman soldiers, the Roman centurion, which it was, there Mm -hmm. was an immediate application for them. It wasn't to the Sanhedrin, to the chief priest. It wasn't only to, to, the mockers and those that were the bystanders, uh, bystanders who would be mocking and ridiculing him, that was a statement to the whole human mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Because the victim is now standing up and saying, they did it to me, Father. I was the victim. I, I now take all of this injustice that has come against me because they they accused me without a cause. Mm-hmm. There was no legal claim or cause to make a charge against me. I am an innocent man and they have unjustly tried, executed, and they are murdering an innocent man before you. And you know that, God. So, so here... The justice of God is being satisfied as he's tasting death for every man and all of mankind's sin is being suffered for. But then the victim stands up in court and he says, Father, forgive them. They're doing this out of spiritual ignorance. And I say, would you not hold it to their charge? When Jesus said, that up on the cross, the Father was able then to say, whoever you forgive, I will forgive also. There will be nothing that I will hold against them all the way back to Adam because you, you have satisfied my justice by suffering in their place. But you not only suffered for them and as them, but now you are releasing towards them a mercy that they do not deserve, that they could not earn themselves in their own self-righteousness. But you are taking and you're taking your righteousness and your capacity as a righteous man and, and you are elevating this above the cry for justice and you are you're 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 doing the deeper magic, the magic of mercy. 
you are saying, I make a plea that you show them mercy. When he did that, he can now turn to Satan and say, I can have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have mercy upon them. But because you have never shown mercy, mm-hmm. I will hold you to account for what you have done. Yeah. Now, I want us to finish today by looking at Colossians. And I want us to see what transpired. Uh, and, and before we go there, because we're running out of time, and I'm going to have to save that for the next episode. But let me just share with you how I found out about this book, Cross of Christ, the Throne of God. Mm-hmm. There was a brother in the Lord that was a pastor and he was uh, going on a missions trip and he got aboard uh, an aircraft. And once he got seated and he was there getting ready to just, you know, hours in flight to go on there, he said that he was praying and he said the front of the aircraft disappeared and, and he got caught up in an open vision and he said Jesus was sitting right across from him. Hmm. Now, we know in an aircraft, the seats, you're staring at the back of people's head. He said the aircraft just disappeared. He said open vision. And he said the Lord began to talk to him about what he had done mm-hmm. for the human race. And he, he told them, he said, I want to recommend to you a book. <laughs> it, it, it's an important book if Jesus recommends it and puts it on the recommended yeah. book list. Jesus told him about two books. He told him about Watchman Nee's book, The Latent Power of the Soul. He said, much of what is being done in my name is done out of the soul realm and not out of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's going to change in the days to come. But then he said, so few people understand what I've actually done for them. And he said, but there is a book that I want you to read that will begin to show you a glimpse of a celestial viewpoint Mm -hmm. of what I accomplished on the cross. So when this brother shared with me that he had this open (laughs) vision and that God had, uh, the Lord had made these book recommendations, I had to get both books and I do read them to remind me of what the Lord said to him. And both have been transformational books in my life and ministry. Watchman Nee, The Latent Power of the Soul, but also F.J. Hugel's book, the cross of Christ, the throne of God. Sounds like those two books need to go on the Oprah Winfrey's uh, <laughs> book club. <laughs> she wouldn't read it. I want you to know because there's a lot of latent power of the soul in Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> well, thank you for being with us today. I hope I don't get censored for saying that. But you never know in our day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not worried about that, though. So we're going we're gonna to preach the gospel and not worry about it. Well, thank you for being with us today. If you have questions about today's episode or comments, make sure to leave them in the comment section below. If you want to just know more about Summit Life Ministries, make sure to check us out at summitlifeministries.com. If you want to just get all things Summit Life or just make sure to get our updates, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube. But guys, we appreciate everything you do for us, all the love and support that you have for us and just all the feedback that you guys give us. Uh, We really do appreciate each one of us. Um, We love you guys and God bless. We love you. Bless you.
What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.